Hey guys, we decided to do things a little different for this episode. We have our friend, Dr. Reese Eccles, who is our in-house pharmacist, here to discuss with us when take your medicine with food becomes a problem. Believe it or not, guys, there's a lot of food insecure people out there and we as practitioners really need to stay up on these matters. That's why we invited Reese here to discuss this issue with us. And additionally, you know, we have a lot of things to say, but we wanted to let you know the audio quality for this episode may not be the best. And the reason for that is because we actually did a Zoom sit down face to face conversation with Reese. So if you want to see us live in action, you want to see us having that conversation, you have to head on over to our individual Instagram accounts to check out that video. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. As you guys should know by now, I'm Joanne. And I'm Kim. And we want to welcome you guys to the actual video recording of our podcast. So today we have a good friend with us, Dr. Respect the title. Reese Eccles here, and we were discussing offline a few issues that Joanne and I see in our clinical practice as a dietitian, and also Reese, issues that she sees as a pharmacist as well. But before we actually get into the meat of our conversation today, I want Reese to introduce herself to you guys. So Reese, introduce yourself, let the audience know who you are, and also give us a fun fact. Hi, uh, my name is Dr. Reese Eccles, and by profession, I am a pharmacist. Um, I attended Texas Southern University for pharmacy school. I I am a proud graduate of Auburn University as well. Um, After my pharmacy school was over, I did a managed care residency in upstate New York, um, which is kind of a mix between direct patient care and on the back end within a health plan. Right now, I work in a hospital setting, or two different types of hospitals. I work in a community hospital, and I also work for a rehab hospital. So I have a varied experience within pharmacy. So I see a lot of patient care, um, patient issues from different ways, um, similar to what Kim and Joanne already said. Um, And something fun about me is um, I'm kind of a polyglot. I can speak uh, and understand other languages. Uh, French is my strongest. I speak medical Spanish, um, which helps a lot here in Houston. Um, And I can say hello in probably about 10 or 12 other languages. So um, that's just fun fact about me. Wow, that is you impressive. No, we need to be speaking French because I speak French. I'm, a, I'm from a Francophone, as they call it, country. Yes. But I'm more conversational, like, um, instead of, like, textbook proper, like my parents would probably like me to have been. But I, when I start out speaking, it's kind of broken until I'm doing it for, like, the third day. Like, when I was in Paris, took us like the third day we were like oh okay now it's flowing it's coming out but before we were like what what y'all talking about (laughs) yeah so i think that i read better in french now because um nobody speaks french here Mm. like it's all spanish Mm. and i I don't know if you do it too but like mixed languages when you're oh oh, yes (laughs) oh yes definitely because we have creole we have french and of course we speak english so there's a merge of it all Definitely. I don't know what's proper anymore. I just do 
My mom understands that's all I need to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. Woo. So Reese, the last time you were here on our podcast, you had mentioned something that has stuck with me since then. You mentioned that food is medicine and it's not medication. And I think that really sets the stage for what we're going to discuss. So, you know, to catch mm -hmm. our audience up to speed, catch our listeners up to speed, can you explain that again? Yeah. So um, a medicine, when we think about it in its truest sense, is just something that is going to promote overall health. Um, so that can be a medication. It can be in a drug form, like a tablet, a cream, something like that. Or it can be a type of therapy that you receive that helps to promote your health. But food is a medicine in that it gives your body the things that you need. It's your fuel. So you get all the nutrients that you need for your body to be appropriate from the food that you eat. It's different than mm -hmm. a medication because a medication is specifically a drug, um, a, right. a foreign yeah. substance that's given to treat a specific set of ailments. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that's a big difference. So um, when we think about it, we don't want to think that if I have a certain disease state that I can eat it away. So your food is a, your first line of defense. Are you eating a balanced mm -hmm. diet and all of those things? And that's what we need you guys for. Right. Um, and beyond food, the medication can be a supplement, but you should start with a healthy diet first. Nice. Nice. Agreed. You know, that's our philosophy um, over here for, for sure. I, I hold heartily like that's my origin. That's my culture. That's my, Haitian Americanism, I guess you can call it that. <laughs> that's the word. Food being medicine, but not medication. I'm never anti-medication, but I, I believe that food is the first line of defense for us. But with that being said, I was thinking about um, how does food and medication correlate, um, you know, on a daily basis for people who take medication. So when you go to the pharmacy, you pick up your medication. Oftentimes, you'll see on the label that it says, take this with your meals three times a day or whatever that they say. So, you know, they may have different instructions on there. Sometimes it'll say take with milk or take with actual food. So my question for you is why do people have to take their food as medication? And why does it sometimes say with a fluid as opposed to an actual meal? Why does that matter? Right. So I'll say this, any type of medication that comes in a tablet or capsule form, which is like primary, primarily how people get their medication is through a capsule or a tablet. When you're taking those medications, you want it to drink a full glass of water unless it's otherwise noted um, so that it can get to your stomach so that it can be broken down so that it can be used for its intended purpose. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to food, a lot of times food is there for protective purposes. So there's a lot of medications that are effective in what they do. However, um, they can be very um, volatile in your stomach or can be very uh, mm. damaging to your stomach or your stomach lining. So it's important to have okay. food there so that you're, um, you know, protecting your stomach. But then in other times, there's medications that work better when there's a certain fat present or if there's something in the food that helps the distribution of that medicine. So a lot of times foods are recommended with or without medication for that reason because it's been studied that way. And that's, you know, um, through the trials, they learned that the people that took it with food had better outcomes than the people 
that took it without food or vice versa, depending on how that particular medication is formulated. Nice. So, so basically those medications are mimicking like what vitamins and minerals. When we, re when we recommend certain vitamins, mm -hmm. we will say, okay, take it with your meals because it's a fat um, soluble vitamin and needs fat for absorption. So that's kind of like mimicking what naturally occurring, occurring with vitamins, yep. right? Gotcha. So, so, you know, when you were speaking, Reese, I was thinking about, you know, there's some instructions as well that say take with the largest meal. And I'm assuming it could be like a combination of the protein and the fat and the carb that enhances the absorption. Mm -hmm. But let's say, for instance, and I mean, you know, getting into the meat of the topic now, what if, you know, we have a patient or a client that is food insecure and they don't know what their largest meal is because, hey, they're just making do with whatever. Why, why is taking right. medication such a big problem that we as practitioners need to pay attention to? Because I don't hear much about mm -hmm. it, to be honest with you. Right. I don't either. And it's usually something that comes up when, so I mentioned I had a managed care background. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that was tracking trends with medication. So if a patient has a blood pressure medication, why is it taking them, they get a 30 day supply, why is it then taking them 45 or 50 days or two months to come back and get a refill for that medication. And when you reach out to those patients, sometimes they say, well, it says to take with food, mm. but I don't have much food or, or I forget mm. because I don't eat at the same time every day right. or right. You know, any number of things can happen to keep a patient from, um, taking a medication that is required or not required. It's, a uh, for, um, taking a medication that has the label take with food, um, it, that prevent them from doing it. So it could be lack mm -hmm. of food, it could be forgetfulness, it could be irregular schedule. Um, so there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, you only have to take a medicine once without food and it caused you to have an upset, upset stomach and vomit. <laughs> It'll be right before you're like, okay, I need to take this with food, really. <laughs> um, and that, I mean, even me, that happened with me. Um, recently, I had a medication um, antibiotic is said to take on an empty stomach. I'm like, okay, took it on an empty stomach, sickest I have ever been, like ever. So I was like, okay, note to self, eat something small. But I also knew that medication couldn't be taken with something that contained heavy metals. What are heavy metals? Like calcium, magnesium. So I wasn't gonna take that with my multivitamin. I wasn't gonna have a glass of milk. Right. I wasn't gonna have the orange juice that's fortified with calcium right. because that can be a problem too. And the problem there is, is that the medication will bind with that calcium and then not have its intended effect in your body. So that's something else that um, is important when you're t telling a patient like, hey, take it with food, but all of the instructions. So that's why it's very important to speak to your pharmacist about how that drug works and what things um, are important for that particular medication. So yeah. can it alter the person's, I mean, prescription, I guess? I mean, you can say if they don't know when their largest meal is going to be like, well, let's say their largest meal today is lunch and then tomorrow it happens to be dinner. Do you need to, you know, does not taking the medication like every 12 hours as specified or whenever you're supposed to take it, does that not affect what we're trying to, what the doctor is trying to, you know, their goals that they're trying to reach, the efficacy or I don't that know if it would. increases or so usually um, the two biggest ones uh, 
with food uh, would be like blood thinners. So like Xarelto, um, Eloquist, those types of blood thinners, they usually say to take, you know, with your evening meal or something like that. Or that's how it's usually um, dosed in the hospital. And they try to keep that same pattern uh, when the patient goes home. So if you know that a patient has an infrequent eating pattern, um, Mm-hmm. Pick one time when they know that they're going to eat every day. Maybe I don't eat breakfast every day. Don't do it with breakfast then because mm-hmm. you'll forget your medications. So if you know that you eat dinner every day, if it's not at the same time, fine. Usually medications that are to be taken with the largest meal are going to be once a day medications. Medications, okay. Anyway. Um, but it's important that if you are not a breakfast eater and it's something that you have to take every 12 hours, it doesn't have to be specifically every 12 hours either. And that's something else that um, needs to be made known because people are like, oh, I took it at 3 p.m. I got to get up at 3 in the morning. No, don't do that. Right. Make I it at reasonable time. time. <laughs> like, right. Space it out enough. And you <laughs> so know, you're not taking them back to back, but don't wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning to uh, take your medicine either. Um, but people do it, you know. So it's and you don't want to be the middle of the night eater too, you know? So I do it. I'll, I'll plug, I'll put my um, alarm on, on my phone. To wake up. Like if I'm on antibiotics, well, I mean, if I was on antibiotics and they're like, I got to take it every four hours or every whatever, I'm like, okay, I got to take these things. I got to break it down in a 24 hour <laughs> period. And oftentimes it's going to fall in the middle of the night somehow. So I've woken up at five o'clock in the morning or I'll put it until midnight. I'll go to sleep late. I've done that. So, I mean, I'm glad to know that it's not something that you have to do, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, to make sure you're not like double dosing. But like waking up at 3 a.m. is like a bit extreme. So like you're going to get up at six and that, you know, and the next dose was supposed to be at seven. Don't take it at six and seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, just space it out. If you know that you're going to be up from 6 a.m. until about 10 p.m., just make sure that those four doses happen um, in the day. Gotcha. And, you know, okay. Reese, you actually answered the question that I had because I had a comment and a question. So I was going to ask you, like, you know, what if you miss a dose, but you just answered it. Um, so here's my, my comment. My comment is, you know, seeing that you've worked in managed care as a pharmacist, I am so happy to hear that, you know, you explain all this information to the clients, like you actually investigate to see, well, are you able to take this with food? Are you food insecure or not? Because to be honest with you, this is, as again, this is not an issue that we hear often. We just presume that our patients have access to food. And then if they don't take it, or if they don't refill their prescription on a timely basis, it's so easy to write non-compliant, you know, right, right. and then that is in the medical record. And, you know, you create, you create this monster that's actually not even there. Yeah. And a bias towards that patient when, exactly. that, when the, in reality, it's not that they don't want to take their medications. It's just most people follow the letter of the law when it comes to whatever their physician says, because they don't have that expertise in that area. Right. So um, if he says, hey, you need to take this with food. Well, if I don't have food, I'm not going to take it. Exactly. Um, and it's important um, as pharmacists and especially dietitians, because you guys get to have that one on one interaction with the patient, um, helping them find the resources that are available to them within their health plan. I know uh, most state funded um, health plans have some type of service where they can get 
a med check. I think I spoke about this before, right. um, but just making sure that, that they're util utilizing all the sources within their health plan. Um, I remember one of the things that we did was there was a, um, a food truck. Well, I mean, it was fresh vegetables, but like the local farmers markets donated food and items to this food truck and it would go into the areas where most of the patients live so mm. that they could, and they would get vouchers and they could go and shop from that to get the foods that they needed. Mm. Um, so if okay. there's some type of, you know, if there's a food bank or food resources, um, then it's important for us as clinicians to hear those things and be able to direct the patients to where they can get those things. Well stated, well stated. That makes a lot of sense. So what about people who don't have access to Medicaid, Medicare, regular um, private insurance? Are there any ways for them, if you go to your doctor's office or, you know, the local health clinic and they give you a prescription and you don't even have access to, you know, be able to pay for it, are there ways for people to be able to receive their medication? I don't know how it's done now. I remember back in the day, I feel like you could sometimes get stuff from directly from the health department. I may be wrong. I can't remember all the way back then, but is that a possibility for them? So I can't speak to um, the health department per se, but I know that if there's a branded medication, say if it's a new medication and that's something that's prescribed to them, um, mm -hmm. you can write to the manufacturer of the medication mm -hmm. and they have programs that are called patient assistance programs. And those are there for the patient to be able to gain access to those medications um, without having to buy with their insurance or if they can't afford their medications. I think you hear it at the end of commercials. I don't watch much TV, but like, you know, it's like if you need help affording <laughs> or you're having trouble affording your medications, <laughs> we can help. Um, it's just a matter of knowing where those forms are so that you can complete those, send it in. Um, I think sometimes you have to submit like, you know, W-2s or something to prove that you have oh, a disparity okay. and then they can um, mm -hmm. offer those medications to you. But I'm glad you asked that because um, I was thinking about it before we got on the call sometimes patients get medications and it's required for them to take it with food, especially mm -hmm. in the um, more lifestyle type diseases, hypertension, diabetes. There are multiple drug classes that are used to um, treat those types of diseases. So if there's a medication that requires you to take it with food and you know that food is an issue for you, um, yes, we wanna resolve that issue, but we also wanna treat that underlying condition. Um, ask your mm -hmm. physician if there is another drug that can do something similar, but doesn't require food to be taken with it. Um, and that goes, mm -hmm. that's across the board for most disease states. There's not just one drug. Well, right. in most cases, there's not just one drug that treats whatever the condition is. Right. So I like I the feel like everything is setting us up for failure. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you said, you know, the eat or treat issue. So, you know, not really forcing patients to put themselves, you know, am I going to eat or am I going to treat this chronic condition? Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's avenues that are made to assist people in both those respects. And while you were speaking, I was thinking about the time that I used to work at a dialysis center. And it's so funny because the dietitian was the one responsible for not necessarily medication management, but to make sure that they were taking their phosphorus binders and their right. all these medications on time. So I remember there was a few patients of mine and 
their out-of-pocket cost for these phosphorus binders was like through the roof. And then like, I would get all these rebates in the mail and then like you just fill it out and just mail it back. And they got like their medications for like $2 for the whole month. Right. So, you know, while you were saying that, I was like, yeah, people really need to, you know, utilize their resources and also have advocates in their corner. Right. So I know you mentioned also, you know, there are some medications that could possibly, um, maybe like a lower cost to treat a particular disease. So is it okay for the patient to ask for a non-name brand medication? Can we ask our yeah. provider for that? You can, because right. typically what happens is, um, and I'm no shade to my physician friends. I love you. I do. <laughs> but sometimes you have these uh, science liaisons that come in and tell you about the latest and greatest. And of course, as a provider that cares about your patients, you want to give them the best, the latest, the greatest. But the latest and greatest comes for a certain amount right. of point. And if you don't have right. that and that doesn't fit within your budget, it's okay to ask, well, you know, this is something that was kind of effective for me. Is there something similar? Is there something you can add on that's a lower cost? Sometimes you get medications and they're in a combination. Well, the combination is going to cost more because it's a, you're paying for the convenience. Ask mm -hmm. for those medications separately. You have lisinopril and hydrochlorothiazide in a mm -hmm. combo pill. Ask, can you have that lisinopril at whatever dose, hydrochlorothiazide at whatever dose as two separate medications because at this point you can get them you know maybe for three bucks or zero copay through your uh walmart or walgreens mm -hmm. or wherever you get your medications mm -hmm. so it's perfectly fine to ask for a lower cost alternative because most likely there is something that was used before and that was the standard of care well now it's generic get that one i like that right you're basically saying ask and you shall receive. Amen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully you shall receive. I mean, what I was saying earlier is that I feel like we are set up to fail a lot of the times in everything in life, I swear. Because I'm thinking to myself, like somebody who doesn't have um, regular access to food, we're telling them that they need to take this medication with food. And we were just talking about just now, you know, for people to utilize their resources. But some people don't even have access to know what their resources are. They don't have access to the internet. They don't have access to any of that stuff. So then what do you do? It's like you are set up to fail and get sicker and sicker from whatever condition that, you know, this medication is supposed to help you with. You know, I, I don't know. You know, with that, Joanne, that's why I think, you know, it's so important that we as health professionals give back our time. There was someone that reached out to me recently saying that, you know, she's helping, um, on underserved populations. I think it's in Houston, Reese. And she's wondering if I could, you know, avail my time and my energy to help with her effort. So I think, you know, the re really giving back and empowering populations right. to ask questions is pivotal. Because you're right, like, if we don't go seek out these populations, they're not going to know where to start. They're not going right. to know who to ask. No. Not at all. Not at all. I agree with that. So is there do you guys have any like tips on, I don't know, how we can make this better? When, when are we going to have a time where people don't have to choose between their food and their medication? You know what I mean? <laughs> Reese? <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's a real problem. It's it a real is. health disparity issue. And we it all is. know where it stemmed. It stemmed in systemic racism. 
-hmm. say that i'm gonna say it again it's all stemmed in case you didn't hear it the first time in systemic racism so i mean honestly there needs to be agents of change policy changes and i think that's why it's so important as health professionals i know you know i need to come up but to lobby to change policy right to be more vocal right and right. I think that, um, like, I think we talked about it on the last episode about how, you know, a lot of uh, minority or low income communities have food deserts. And um, I believe on a recent episode of your podcast, you spoke about that, too. And mm-hmm. I, I will still say, I think that it's a problem when there are more fast food restaurants and pharmacies in your neighborhood than there are um appropriate places for you to get healthy foods. Right. Again, it's a setup for failure, I feel like, because you know these foods are not the best for us, but then you've bombarded our neighborhoods with it, giving us access to said foods, fast foods, um, and making us sicker. You know, today I was listening to something, and I can't remember who the news anchor was quoting, but they were saying basically like, um, I think, I feel like it's the somebody, the pediatric something nationally mm-hmm. was, um, who said this, that, you know, the diseases that we see oftentimes in uh, Black America is not because of us being Black, like it's not our genes that are making us more susceptible to this, it's racism, that's what's making us more susceptible to this, it's like a domino effect, you set us up for failure, and it's trickled down, and this is where we're at right now, mm-hmm. thicker than our counterparts in the United States are white um, folks in the United States because of the fact that you've set us up for failure from the get-go. Like there's, you know. We have access to the McDonald's, the Popeyes, and you say, yeah, I got to take my medication with food. And what can I get for the $2 that I have? My medication. Right. Because that's a dollar, right? Right. Or maybe I don't eat McDonald's, but like whatever the dollar get you or whatever, it's not healthy. So I think that, you know, one thing that I like here is that in third world, third ward, there's a community garden and um, it's there. And I think that that is something that could be implemented, like in those patches of dirt where they don't want to build anything. Mm -hmm. We'll take all Mm -hmm. of that rubble out and then put in a community man garden and then you can go back to eating fresh vegetables. We can be like Joanne right. and, and have our own fruit and our own, you know, kale and everything that we can um, eat. But one of the things that I really enjoyed um, working with the health plan was that there was um, a black woman that was there that was vegan and she taught vegan soul food classes. Um, she mm. taught you, I mean, everybody loves Tabitha Brown, but like Arifa was doing it in New York and she was going and teaching like, you know, you want to make vegan waffles, you can do that. You can have food that tastes good. That is a healthier option than what you were eating before. And this stuff was good. So um, I think when people have the resources, um, so if I can go to my community garden and then I can go to my community center when it's safe for me to be in there with everybody else and learn these types of skills, then I don't have to rely on the dollar menu in order to eat. And then that way I don't have to rely on medication because for years and years and years, my arteries have been clogged because I've been eating high fat food. So, um, I, I mean, that's just one part of of the answer, but you know, um, yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I was thinking while you were speaking, um, you know, I was thinking that the person that lives in the inner city may say, well, you know, the county or whoever doesn't want to give us this plot of land. And I think that's where we come in as health professionals. Because I, I just keep thinking about Tupac. While you were speaking, I was thinking about Tupac. And I'm going to tell you why. I was watching a documentary and Tupac was saying that, look, I have no money. Like you guys are saying, oh, yeah. you know, I'm bringing in all this money, but I have no money. And I was like, how does he not have no money? Like, what is he talking about? And he, it was saying that he would give his money to initiatives that he was passionate about. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's what, it. yeah, that's what would like fund all these different movements. So I'm thinking, you know, as health professionals, and I want to challenge everyone listening to this, you know, look out for your brother or your sister. If you are in a position where you are financially stable and you, you can be able to, you know, rent a little plot of land and speak to the county, right. go ahead and do that. Buy the seeds, buy the equipment, um, you know, uh -huh. give access to someone that may not be as fortunate as you. So I'm thinking, you know, that is even another solution that we can Or take. even give people the resources that they have. If you have an old bucket, you can grow stuff. Yes. If you right. have if you have old planters or uh the little uh black things that come from the nursery, you can put more dirt in there. Yes. It's okay. it's like if it grew right. in the nursery, it'll grow in your house. A garbage um, can, something. Anything. Yeah. Yes. I mean yes. I, I mean I'm out here growing potatoes in a storage bucket. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Yes. I've seen that. And it's like, yeah, here's our garden in a storage bucket. So you don't have to have much space. You can do it. So um I think one of to piggyback off of you, Kim, another thing is, is when you have the knowledge and you know that there's a community that can benefit from it, don't wait for them to ask you. You mm -hmm. tell them or mm -hmm. you ask how you can help. Right. My family calls me all the time when they have medication questions, but I'm also calling them and asking them. I mean, well, obviously to say like, hey, love you. How are you? Yeah. But in addition to that, like, hey, do you have any new medications? Do you want to talk about them? Um, I know one of my aunts, she's like, hey, can you make me a new um, medication card? So I made little uh, business size cards, laminated them. You know, she has one. Uh, my mother-in-law has one. Uh, her doctor has one. Uh, well, the doctor has it on the computer, but right. he, needed he needed his own special one. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> she has that with her so that at all times, if she goes to a new provider, if she is in an emergency, that card is with her and on her at all times. Um, and you don't realize the importance of that until you're a healthcare provider and you're like, hey, you go mm -hmm. to the emergency room. What medications do you take? They may mm -hmm. not be able to speak to you. Mm -hmm. um, right. So having that on hand um, or having it in your phone stored somewhere so that, you know, your provider can look at it if you're unable to recall. Um, there's so many more ways um, besides just giving money that you can empower your community. Right. Sometimes it's just your cognitive services that you can provide for free that can help educate your community. Amen. Exactly. I don't know. I and, keep I, and that's amen. the challenge I think we should give everyone. What did you say? I said, I don't know why I keep saying amen, like Reese's preaching over here. <laughs> <laughs> you in church, girl, you preaching. <laughs> but I, I think that's the challenge that we, um, we have uh, for everyone who's listening is to challenge you guys to don't wait for people to come to you, go to them, find out what your community may need. Now, COVID-19 has jacked up everything. You know, numbers are rising, so people may not want to be out and about, 
but I have this idea in my mind of being able to go out in my community um, that needs help and giving them the little knowledge that I've learned with the garden that I have now on how to get a community garden started. I remember um, like when we first started the podcast and we were talking, I was telling you about the, like in Atlanta, they were going to have like a, yeah. a food forest yeah. or fruit forest or something like that they called it. I haven't heard anything about it since COVID-19 um, has started. So I don't know where that's, what's going on with that, but it was going to be like somewhere down in Atlanta where people can just walk through the streets and just pick, you know, oh, yeah. pick whatever fruit, whatever it's free and it's for the city. Like, I love the idea of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with COVID-19, it's kind of hard for people to get together and, you know, like a big group to do things. And so maybe we could do it virtually. I don't know. I don't know. Something. I mean, you know, these are all just brainstorming ideas out there. Definitely. So, I mean, you know, that's not a bad idea, Joanne. That's actually a very yeah. good idea that I think we should definitely flesh out. And also for those listening to this, you know, let us know, you know, what are some things that your community is doing as well? Yeah, what's working? Yeah, what's working and what's not? Because I mean, if someone already has a tried and true way that's working, why go through the ebb and flow into testing? Right. You know, that doesn't make sense. Exactly. You know, I was going to say something and I don't, and I'm fighting myself if I should say it. And I don't know exactly how to say it. Um, so y'all remember a couple weeks ago when we were on like that Instagram FaceTime call, right? And we were having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you know how in certain communities, certain cultural communities, when one person makes it that all everyone, everyone from that particular cultural group, everyone is elevated, everyone is supporting, everyone is, you know, reaping the benefits. I think, you know, in regards to this medication and this drug problem and the food problem, I think, you know, we need to do the same thing as well. Because, you know, truth be told, there are some people of color who do not feel that they should be giving back that, oh, I've arrived and I've worked hard. So you guys that are not working, that's y'all bad. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. opportunity comes in many different forms and your opportunity may have come, you know, one way and another person's opportunity may have come the other way. So it's really, again, with that challenge, see if you can uplift a brother or sister. I mean, right. And I think that you can't hold ignorance against people. So people, people hear ignorant and they think, oh, they're dumb, they're this or whatever, but ignorance is simply not knowing. So you can't hold people accountable for things that they don't know. Because when we talk about these communities, like, I'm from one of those communities. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's me. You know, that's that's my family. Some of my family members still. So um, we have to be mindful of the fact that people simply do things in the manner in which they know. Right. So right. if you don't, if I don't know something, I'm not going to do those things because I don't know them. Mm. So um, I think, was it Maya Angelou that says, you know, um, if you, if you, when you know better you do better but you know so she so you have to get to the no part you got you have to get to that part of knowing what's what's helpful what's beneficial to you um so i think that that's the first thing is like not just you know what so sometimes i have to check myself and be like well what were the influences that i had that got me to this point what people were around me what habits were formed when I was little that made me different from, you know, the person next to me, mm-hmm. you know, 
there's several factors that create the humans that we are now. And because of those right. experiences and um, those uh, catalysts, if you will, that happen, you become the person that you become. So to say, to sit high and look low is to say that there was nothing that prompted you to get to the place where you are. Right. And that's simply right. the truth. Right. I guess it depends on how far removed somebody is, I would say. Because, I mean, from my, like, I, I'm not that far removed. Like, I can remember when I had to go to the health clinic. Like, we didn't have insurance. So right. we had to go to the health clinic to see the doctor and whatnot when I was younger in my teens and whatnot. So I feel like it depends on how far removed somebody is from their community and how separate, like, how much they want to separate themselves. Like, I don't want to be associated with um, this level of whatever socioeconomic status. So I don't want y'all to know that I used to be back mm -hmm. there and but I, I myself I feel like if if I don't tell you where I was at so you like looking at me now you think oh my gosh look at Joanne she just see that but you don't know where I came from so if I tell you where I came from and how I got here you too can do it right, right. so yeah. if I show you what my steps were like you can do it too right which is why you know? but if I don't, so I don't tell you and I act like I just got here how are you gonna know that okay you can get to where you want to be you know what I mean yeah which is why I was grateful that you guys shared your experiences on the blog and like everybody, I encourage everybody to tell mm -hmm. like exactly how they got there, how, what obstacles they had and like what things, you know, they had to learn in order to get to where they are. And right. the beauty of it is, is that everybody has the ability to learn. So maybe you don't understand everything about your medication, but you have the ability to learn. You might right. need to right. be, you might need to get it from somebody that can break it down to you in, in check sections that you can understand or chunks that you can understand, but mm -hmm. you have the ability to learn um, because you just do. Like, I mean, think about it. In our generation, we did not have Zoom. We did not have uh, IMAX. We did not have Facebook and Instagram. We had Black Planet, but we did not have all these things. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> but we learned all these things along the way. Like, and here we are, you know, in three different states, having one conversation and that's going to be right. broadcast to people in different states, you know? Um, and so we all have the capacity to learn. So to say that I can't do it because of blah, blah, blah is, is giving yourself a crutch, which is, is not right. fair. So anybody listening right. that has somebody that needs to hear this, listen, if you think that you can do anything, you can, hmm. like that's it that's all you need is the ability to think that you can and you can do it so you can learn about your medications you can know when to take them you can know more about you than your doctor the next time you go and you should know more about yourself than your doctor yeah. does exactly you should. you should i remember one doctor said to me kim if you don't ask questions i'm gonna think you're stupid <laughs> i was like thank you <laughs> thank you for saying really? that yes he said if you don't ask me questions i'm gonna think you're stupid he he actually wanted his patients to ask questions and that's the type of empowerment that i think people need having the proper bedside manner and having just like a free comfortable and welcoming space to question that provider yeah. so every time i go see him like 40 minute conversations and i'm like yeah and he was like oh you know everyone can't wait they know i do this for everyone yes. so we spent yeah. go ahead go ahead well i was just going to piggyback off of that and say Usually at the end of the conversation, after you've asked your questions, they've said, oh, these are, this is what's going on with you. At the end of that conversation, they'll say, okay, 
this is what I recommend. I'm going to start you on a new medication that the name of that medication is blank. Mm -hmm. Okay. At that moment, you need to charge your physician for their cognitive services by asking what, how do I take this medication? They may not know all of the answers, but they know something because they prescribed it to you. Mm -hmm. If you need more answers, then that's where your pharmacist comes in and they can fill in those blanks, but you need to ask something and they need to have a resource for you. They need to have a printout. And when you get those resources, read them. Mm -hmm. You may need it broken down by your pharmacist. There may be a word in there that you don't understand. Even there's some health professionals that don't understand like chelation because that's not something that they do in their discipline. Right. Right. So mm -hmm. you need to you need right. somebody to tell you like, hey, chelation just means that your drug and something in your body or in your food are going to buy and then it's not going to work. That's it. So, you know, I am always an advocate for people being an advocate for themselves first. Mm -hmm. And when you don't know, that's when you ask the questions and you can get to the other resources. So, um, right. And it's, and it's a good idea for them to ask their pharmacist. I don't think people realize that they can ask their pharmacist questions because the, you know, the doctor prescribes the medication. So they don't realize that ask your pharmacist, you may, you know, get some pointers from your pharmacist. Like, is there another medication I can take instead of, you know, right. this? Yes. And then the pharmacist can let you know. And then, so you can go to your doctor. My pharmacist, they'll fax my doctor, um, whatever. We'll fax them and request a prescription for this other whatever it is for my kids. I remember this happened recently. So mm -hmm. people don't realize that you can ask your pharmacist questions like they're the medication experts. Right. I want exactly. you to be as bold in asking medication questions to the pharmacist as you are in asking where toilet paper and toothpaste are. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> Look at you taking us to church today. Because <laughs> you know people come to the pharmacy and they're like, where's the... Reese, we wanted to thank you for being on the podcast today. I know earlier you mentioned about the blog and people may not be aware of, you know, what you're referring to. So go yeah. ahead and let us know a little bit about your blog and where people can find you on social media. Yeah, sure. So I have a DIY kind of lifestyle blog. Um, and I say that it's the place where you can find lifestyle on a budget. It's the prescription for lifestyle on the budget. And you can find me at Reese's Pieces on Instagram. Um, it's www.reesespieces.com. I'm R-Y-C-E-S Pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so don't spell out the candy, you won't get me. Um, but you can find Kim and jo Joanne's uh, interviews over there and learn a little bit more about their backgrounds there. Um, one of the biggest things for me is to be an encourager. Um, if you hadn't picked that up on, <laughs> on this call, um, but I want you to be um, empowered in whatever it is that you do and understanding that failure isn't final and success doesn't mean that you made it. And um, so, in between all of the lifestyle stuff, I make sure that there's some encouragement in there too. So, um, can come hang out with me. <laughs> and guys, don't let Reese fool you. This is don't like, let her fool you. This is like black female builder over here. She was just showing her right. pool table that she built from scratch, self-taught. Don't think Reese is just Ed no board for her bed. I mean, what? don't let her fool you. <laughs> this, That's humble this is talk. Bob the builder. Bob the builder. <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank so you. funny.
But thank you guys. Well, everyone, thank you for being on. Thank you for watching us on one of our first video lives. And we have more of this to come for you guys. So please tell your friends about this episode, share it, and rate and review us so that we can know um, what we're doing wrong and where we're going, what we're what we're doing well. And make sure to please get comment and let us know your opinions. Um, to give us ideas about the topics that we talked about today. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.